Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. All right. How you guys feeling? And how was that worship, though? Can I get a bigger one in this, bro? Cuban, you want to see how big I'm here, bro? Give me like a double side of that one. I need an extra large. Hey, well, how was that worship, though, right? Didn't you guys just come from a retreat? Like, y'all got the Akuna Matata all over, y'all. That was pretty good. Hey, man, um, first and foremost, man, I just want to thank God for pastors of the house, Pastor Jonathan, Carla, man, thank you guys so much for having me. It's an honor. Jesus with the curly hair. I love you. Man, I appreciate you guys for allowing me to come here, man. It's family here, so it's exciting. Um, like he said, man, we're in Atlanta, Georgia, 305 till I die, so I thought. Um, but we feel like God called us to go up to Georgia, and we're in the metro Atlanta area in a city called Kennesaw. And we're excited, man. God is calling us to do some stuff. We're planting a church over there. We were sent out by Pastor Rich in Trinity Church. Um, and it's been a fun journey. It's been four months right now, so I've been missing empanadas, y queso. Like, there's just stuff, croqueticas. There's stuff that we don't have over there. Just a lot of white people, man. And I love white people. White people are my favorite, but there's, there's just a lot of white people, you know? So, but it's, it's good, man. You know, I miss hearing Spanish people and talking and eating Spanish food, which we're going to do right after this. So I'm going to keep this very short, trust me, um, because I want to go get some grub, man. And I brought a homeboy of mine all the way from the ATL, peace up, A-Town. Down. I don't know, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> I feel cool. <laughs> I'm from Atlanta. Hey, Daniel's here. Jan- Daniel, can you stand up and just say hello to everybody? He's a, he is Korean. He's Korean, which makes him special. Um, not only is he Korean, but he's also single. Um, he has his own car and his own job, so we can talk later, but definitely got to talk through the pastors because you would have to move to Atlanta and help a greater church. But that's another story in and of itself. We're going to leave that one there, but um, I bring him recruiting with me because he's cute. He's like Korean cute. Hey, man, I'm excited about it. Why don't you turn, grab your Bible, and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. Hey, as you turn there, um, if you can multitask for just a second, I just want to share something with you. Here's what, I'm, here's what I'm believing. We got about two more Sundays left in 2016. Now, uh, we get all frazzled at the end of the year, and we start putting up resolutions, and we start saying we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and we find ourselves in a place where 11 and a half months later, we're sitting there, and as we look back towards the year, you may have or you may have not accomplished the goals that you set before yourself. Listen, that does not disqualify you from having and entering into a brand new year and having better goals and achieving those goals. But here's the truth, though. The truth is this, man. We serve a God that, one, first and foremost, he loves you, he cares for you, and everything that all Christian pastors have said, um, he's there to empower you. But, man, can I tell you that he's a God of today. He's a God of now. So, yes, we're two weeks away from New Year's, and we got two more Sundays. What would happen if right now we would actually focus and say, hey, this is what I want to do before it even starts, before any resolution starts. I want to purpose in my heart, God, that I want to do certain things for you in 2017. And I'm not going to wait till the clock strikes 12 to do it, but I'm actually going to do it on this Sunday right now. Here's the truth. I have four different children. I've watched as my wife has gone through birth. 
And here's what happens. The moment that we find the news and we hear the news, there's joy that wells up inside of us. There's this expectancy that wells up inside of us because we know that a child is about to be born. But the truth is that we don't just stay with that inside of us and we just kind of like go on about our life. She begins to buy little alonidos and which little little bunnies and weird things and she buys cribs and she buys pampers and she buys clothes and she she does a registry and we have an entire party where a bunch of people come over just to give gifts to this child who is not even born why because they're expecting man my prayer is that today you would hear this word and that you would just not go home and just let it be a just run-of-the-mill type word but that you would start preparing the very things that God has told you to do that you would set things up to start doing what God has told you to do in 2017 that it will not be business as usual amen I'm going to read this is out of Luke chapter 8 verse 40 And it says, so it was when Jesus returned, the multitudes welcomed him, for they were waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter of about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. They pushed against him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched him by the border of his garment or the hem of his of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped and Jesus said who touched me when all denied it Peter and those with him said master the multitudes thronged and press against you and you say who touched me but Jesus said somebody touched me for I perceived power going out of me now when the woman saw that she was not hidden she came trembling and falling down before him and she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she touched them and how she was healed immediately and he said to her daughter be of good cheer your faith has made you well go in peace while he was still speaking someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him your daughter is dead do not trouble them a teacher But when Jesus heard this, he answered and said to him, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she rose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. If you're taking notes, you got your iPhones or just paper, whatever it is that you're taking notes for this message. And I I would advise you, I'd challenge you to take some notes because I truly believe there's going to be some practical things that you can take for tomorrow, next year, 10 years from now. But if you're taking notes, I, I want you to write the sermon or the title of this message or this idea is Pardon the Interruption. Pardon the interruption and I want to do something cool um I want to pray like the Korean people pray can we do that you like that can everybody get up on your feet for just a second we're gonna pray like Korean people pray it's pretty much like how Spanish people pray watch this how you doing bro you all right boy you look good I like your shirt (laughs) thank you I try you know (laughs) And here's what we want to do. We want to pray like Korean people. You know how per- Korean people pray? They pray. And they pray out loud. So I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask you right there where you are, would you open up your mouth and would you begin to tell God the very things that you want him to do tonight? Would you begin to call out to him and tell him, man, speak to my heart. I need you to give me direction. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that you do. Can we begin to talk to God as I pray? Can you talk as well? 
All right, let's go. Let's go. Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask you right now in Jesus' name that tonight would be a night that we would hear directly from you. Father, we're praying, Lord Jesus, and as you hear each and every one of my brothers and sisters as they cry out to you, Lord, Father, I ask that you would answer them right where they are. Father, that you would speak to them, each and every one. I know that through me there will be a shotgun, but Father, I know that you will be a sniper, Lord God, and individually you will speak to the hearts of each and every one of the brothers and sisters that are here. Father, I pray for guidance, for direction, Lord. I pray for healing, Lord Jesus. I pray that today can be a day of renewal, Lord. I pray that as faith is expected in them, Lord God, as it's birth, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name that they will never be the same, Lord, that things will change from this moment forward. Father, we love you. We believe it, and it's in your matchless name that we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, right there where you are, would you put your hands together and make some noise for Jesus? No, but like I said, make some noise for Jesus. Let's do about five seconds of noise. Can y'all make some noise? Five. Four. Three. Two. No, no, three. Okay, two. One. Come on, one more time, make some noise for Jesus, y'all. Hey, slap about three people next to you, man, and tell them it's going down tonight. Check. Motro, le quité el pobito, el coso este. It's cool. Le quité esto porque me molesta la bamba, bro. Hey, um, I don't know about you, but I hate interruptions. Like, I hate when I'm sitting there talking to somebody and, like, you know, you talk to that one person that they know everything. And as you're talking to them, you're trying to explain something to you. And in the middle of you talk, yeah, I've been there. I've done that already. It's like, bro, why are you? I'm asking. I'm trying to tell you something. And everybody knows. I, I hate interruptions. I hate. It's 2016, man. Things are a little bit different than when I was growing up. In, in 2016, man, we got IG. And IG is a complicated. Like, they should have a class in high school about IG. Some of the senior citizens should go to IG as well, school. Um, maybe I open that, patent that. But here's what it is. You can't just put any picture up just all willy-nilly and just throw it up. Like, you got to make sure that you take about 85 pictures, and then you got to pick that one picture that's not blurry, that looks pretty cool, that has the great lighting. And then once you take that picture, then you got to edit it. It used to be easy. Remember with IG? They gave you like eight different options at the bottom, and you picked one. Remember that one time that it was like that old picture with the weird white frame at the beginning? It was like yellow. That was like the cool thing to do. Now it's like the most wackest thing. Don't ever do that. And now they got like options where they got like saturation and contrast and words that I don't even know what they mean. I sit there sometimes and I just go through everything just to see what it is. And then when I come back, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's something new. And it's like, no, you did that last time. But IG, once you post that picture in there, you can't just like just post the picture. Like you got to have your comment, your, your caption game on sweet, on fleek, you know? Like you got to have the right thing to say. It has to be deep. You got to have the right hashtags. You can't go up there talking about for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Peter chapter 4 verse 3. Like you can't do that because people are actually going to look at your scripture because they're going to click on the hashtag and then they're going to see that it wasn't the right one. But we, 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 what we don't like though have you ever been in a place where you edit your picture, you did everything correctly, man? You got this thing looking dope. And then all of a sudden you go to send it and you get that little red line at the top. And that junk says fail because there's no internet. Like I hate the interruption when I'm at a place. Like what kind of vacation doesn't give you internet? Like what kind of vacation is that? Like I'm going to go on a cruise and pay $35 for one minute of internet? Like, nah, bro, that's not a, that's not a fun cruise. Like, bro, I got to have Wi-Fi. 
the truth is we don't like interruptions. I hate interruptions. I, I remember this one time, and man, I've been coming here for some years now um, to JTP, and I remember that I came, one of the first times that I came, obviously, was to do music. I think this is one of the first times that I come to just speak. And I remember that I came to speak, and at that time, obviously, I was doing music all, all around and whatnot. And I remember that a friend of mine, we got an invitation to go up to minister in Jacksonville to go rap. And we said, all right, cool, we'll jump in the car and we'll go over there. He's like, we'll take your car. I was like, I rebuke you, you're taking your car. So we end up we end up taking his car. His car was messed up because the battery didn't work. But I was like, bro, you know buddy on the third floor that fixes the car, just go call him. Came downstairs, he fixed the car. Everything started working. His ignition wasn't working very well, so the battery was draining. So, bro, all of a sudden we go up to Jacksonville, you know, we bang, bang bars. We do what we do. And then as soon as we finish, what does every minister of the gospel do? They go to IHOP, right? So as soon as... <laughs> We go to IHOP after the glory, praise God. And after we finish eating, it's probably like 2 o'clock in the morning. And they're like, hey, man, we got, a, we got a hotel room for you guys. And we were like, well, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're Christian rappers. We're not like Lecrae or nothing. So they got us like in this sketchy hotel. We're like, eh, I don't know. Like, why don't you just give me the money and we'll go and, and head down. But we were talking to each other. And we were like, bro, let's just drive down. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. Christian people talk too much. But it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Bro, all of a sudden, we decide we're going to leave, and we start driving from Jacksonville down. Now, understand me, on the turnpike at this time, it started to turn into like about 4 o'clock in the morning. Listen, I can't even make this junk up. I'm dead serious. 4 o'clock in the morning, we're driving on the turnpike. We're probably like in Ocala somewhere. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there on my phone. I'm probably updating my MySpace Top 8. You know, it was a big deal. You can't just be on my mic. My, no, I'm putting you down. And I was fixing my Top 8 or whatnot. And I'm looking over at Dre, my friend, and he's driving, and the odometer, you know the odometer is the thing that kind of like marks how fast you're going. Some of y'all don't even look at that junk. You just go. But, but that odometer, it, had, it was on zero, and it wouldn't come up. So what he starts doing is in the middle of the turnpike, 4 o'clock in the morning, he starts playing with the ignition, turning the ignition on and off. He puts the car on neutral, and he starts turning it on and off. Now he's doing this so that the odometer can kind of snap back on. Bruh. So I'm not paying attention to him. I'm on my space. You're not on my top eight no more. Like, you don't do top 16 because that was thirsty. Like, you don't just put everybody up there. You could only do eight. So I had to make sure, you know, you got to pray and kind of like believe on the Lord, the Shekinah, the glory to, to reveal to you, you're my top eight. And as I'm fixing my top eight, I kind of like look at Drew. I'm like, bro, what you doing? And all of a sudden, in the midst of all of this stuff, we hear click. So I, I kind of turn the drain. I'm kind of looking. You know, when you did something wrong, you just kind of like. He just has this stone cold face. And I said, Dre, what happened? He said, bro, I don't know, man. I'm like, Dre, why is the car slowing down right now? Dre, why don't I hear the radio? What is happening? He's like, bro, I don't know. I think the battery died. Four in the morning on the turnpike. I'm a big colored dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm tall and I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I might be intimidated. He's tall. He, he was just tall sideways. So he's like, we're two big black dudes. You feel me? And then there was another one. He was kind of like a little short guy. It was his cousin. He just came with us. And we're sitting there and I'm like, bro, there's nobody in the world that's going to help us and give us a jump. It's four in the morning. It's pitch black. Bro, all of a sudden, we pull over to the side. I can't make this junk up. We pull over to the side, and we start pulling out our phones. Now, back in the days, you didn't have that pretty little flashlight where you can kind of like, it's like a, a, a real flashlight. We didn't have that junk. Like, we had La Pantalla, the, 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 the screen of the phone, and you're waving. So imagine like these three big black dudes standing on the side of the road with these little, with these little screens, and you're kind of like trying to wave people. Ain't nobody going to stop. I wouldn't stop. 
Like, nah, Jesus, I didn't hear from you. It's like, stop and help them. No. Like, I did good last week. I got a good sin. I'm not, I got something I can waste. Like, your grace is amazing. Bro, all of a sudden, in the midst, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Now it's like probably like 4.30 in the morning. All of a sudden, we see this van. The van comes and starts screeching in the middle of the road. Does a U-turn in the middle of the road and starts coming towards us. Bro, the car goes on the side of the road where we're at. Now imagine this. Our car is dead, and this car has this two flashlights, and all of us, or the two, the two headlights, and this person gets out of the car. The person was about like 6'5", easy, huge person. This is my story. I tell you how I want to, but it's true. I promise you. Like, I'm being dead serious. Bro, this person was like six feet tall. I don't see anything. All I see is the lights. It's pitch black. There's no lights anywhere, and this person starts coming out the car. Obviously, that was a gang member, so I'm like, what's happening in Jesus' name? What's up? Like... I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like, like, hey, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. So the person, the person starts coming towards us. All of a sudden, I see, and it turns out it's this big lady, massive lady. She had to be like 6'5, bro. Just swole. Like, like her, 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 her calves were like the size of my like body. And she had a long skirt on. So I, I'm like, she comes and I'm like, oh, Jesus. And she like, Wasamara. So I was like, I don't know. I was scared at this point. Like, you know, you got tough with it. And then after a while, I was just like, I don't know. I, re- I don't even know. So I was just like, no, the car. And I start to explain to this woman. This woman completely ignores me. She walks to our car. She gets in our car. Mind you, the little guy that was with us, he had jumped in the back seat because he got scared. So he's like sitting in the back right there. She gets in the car and she starts, okay, it doesn't She opens up our hood. I'm promising you that I'm telling you the truth. She opens up our hood. She opens up her hood. She grabs jumper cables. She connects the jumper cables. But all of a sudden, this lady walks up to us. Me and Dre, we're just standing there like, "Ah, whatever. At this point, this thing can't get any more weirder. She turns to us and she says, you know this don't happen for no reason, right? So I was like, what What do you, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And she's like, Jesus brought me here. You seen her. Yeah. At this point, I'm like, it's like when a prophet talks to you, and you're like, did I sin last week? Crap, what did I do? And you're like trying to think in your brain. You're like, I don't know. Wait, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? But all of a sudden, this woman starts telling me, and I'm like, no, we're not sinners. We're ministers of the gospel. We just came from rapping and, you know, bars. This lady says, you are lie. I said, I think. I don't, I think I'm a liar. Like, why? And she's like, there's beer in your car. At this point, I'm like, beer in my car? I'm like, no. Mama, that's Red Bull and Monster, so we don't die when we're driving, so we stay awake. I'm trying to talk to this lady in English because Dre was there. I should have talked to her in Spanish. She would have understood me better. This lady said, did not happen for no reason. She just points at us, dude. She walks around, she grabs her jumper cables, she closes my hood. Oh, she starts the car. The car starts perfectly. She goes and she closes her hood. She gets back in the car, makes a U-turn, and leaves. We're in the middle of the turnpike at 5 in the morning right now. Me and Dre are standing there looking at each other like, bro, I was a big Puerto Rican angel. And you know she was Pentecostal because she had the skirt. It was 4.30 in the morning. She was going to prayer. Like she had to be Pentecostal. And she was Puerto Rican because I said it. Bro, all of a sudden, we just sat there and we were thinking to ourselves, man, what an interruption. 
you're talking about us heading towards our direction and all of a sudden we got stopped thinking we're not going to be able to move forward and God intervenes and sends us this big old Puerto Rican angel to help us to continue on the road. Here's the crazy part about it. This is kind of where you find this guy named Jarius in the Bible. A character that is kind of like spoken over and not really addressed in this issue because many times we've heard the story of the woman with the issue of blood. It's been preached beautifully, but we skip over this guy named Jarius, this dude that comes and all of a sudden he gets interrupted and something in his life completely changes. This guy named Jarius, who was the, the leader of the synagogue. The leader of the synagogue, it means that he was a pastor. So he was in charge of like the church. Like he would be in charge of making sure that everything was running. There's offering envelopes in the seats, that the worship team is on time, that everybody's doing what they need to do. That was his responsibility. A few chapters before that, the Bible says that he was sitting there while Jesus was with a man and they were testing Jesus. They wanted to see what he would say. There was a man with a withered hand and it was the Sabbath, meaning that you couldn't do any work at that time. And this man, he said, is it right for us to heal on the Sabbath or not? And bro, he tells this man, why don't you stretch your hand? And all of a sudden, if you look at the flick of the wrist, this man opens his hand. This man opens his hand. At that very moment, it says, the Bible says, and then they thought on how they might kill him. Now, Jarius was one of the leaders of this place. And I guarantee you that Jarius was there thinking on how. He might kill Jesus, but yet we read in, in Luke chapter 8 that he comes to Jesus with a request that his daughter, who's about 12 years old, is about to die. And we see this scene play out right on the shore as soon as Jesus comes back. Jarius tells him, hey, my daughter's going to die. Can you help me? Man, what a picture. If we step back for just a second and we look at these two different perspectives, I truly believe that we can draw some strength out of there because there is one perspective. The perspective of Jarius, a man who had kicked Jesus out of the church. A man who did not want anything to do with Jesus, yet when all hell broke loose in his life, he knew that he can go to Jesus. And man, can I tell you, man, that that's the picture of what we kind of face on a daily basis. We're the type of people that people, we kick Jesus out of our decisions sometimes. We have relationships that we want to be into and we're like, God, I'm not going to really pray about this one because I kind of like him or I kind of like her. Or look, I want to get this job and I really like it. And we don't ask Jesus about any of that. We kick him out of our decisions on a regular basis, man. We literally take him outside of our church, our home, our decisions, our life on a regular basis. Sometimes we might sin and purposely say, Jesus, I need you to step outside of this room right now because I got to handle my business. And can we be real? And on a regular basis, man, we, we have to be very careful that we don't find ourselves in a place where we're just kicking them out. But can I tell you the truth? Even if you kick them out, man, Jesus is still standing right there. Jesus didn't turn him away. He opened his arms up and he started to walk with him. It doesn't matter how far you think you've gone for Jesus. It doesn't matter how much you think you've messed up, how many times you kicked them out of your relationship. It don't matter if you did it once and then you did it again and you did it again. Jesus is still there to listen to you. He's still there to walk with you along the journey. He's not caring about you kicking him out of his house. He's not scared of your doubts or your insecurities or your sins. He's not intimidated by that. But here's the other perspective. The other perspective is the perspective of Jesus. A Jesus who got kicked out, he knew that guy was the leader of the synagogue. And this dude did me dirty, but yet he's still coming to me for help. And doesn't that look like Christianity sometimes? When we're in school and people pull up a website on their phone and everybody, they're trying to look at it. Hey, bro, check this chick out. And you're like, ah, man, I don't want to look at that. And they call you gay. Isn't it crazy when you're at work and dudes are saying, oh, look at her behind. And you're like trying to 
fight yourself because you know you want to look, but you're like, nah, you know what, man, I love Jesus a little bit more. I'm not going to do that. Or you're in your family, which you're around your family and they're making fun of you and maybe another family member. Maybe it's you by yourself and they're laughing at you because you're a Christian, because you're not doing the same things that they're doing and you feel dis- discommunicated. Like they don't allow you to be part of it. They go places and they don't even bring you because you're that Christian and they don't want you to be weird. Isn't it crazy? As a Christian, I know this has happened to me a million times. Have you ever been playing basketball or maybe you're having a conversation? Maybe it's about the Dolphins, which it's it's crazy because they're playing good right now, but they kind of suck. Like you get your hopes up and then all of a sudden they lose again. And it's like whenever you have a conversation about the Dolphins, you're going to scream. I hate Tannehill. He's a wide receiver. And you're going to scream like it just happens like you scream. Have you ever had this thing where somebody hears you scream or do something that's stupid? It's like so minor. And they tell you these words. Oh, you supposed to be a Christian. Have you ever heard that? Oh, you're supposed to be, because I screamed, I lost my salvation? Like I'm not a Christian no more because I screamed at you? Look, look, there's a demon in your eye. There's a demon. It's like, what? And here's the truth, man. People will hold up this strict standard, and they will hold you up to it because they need to understand that when all hell breaks loose in their life, they want to make sure that you're a Christian that loves Jesus, that you're a Christian that you're going to pray for them, that you're going to be real, that you're not one of the fake ones. That's why they hold you up to the standard. That's why your family talks to you the way they do, not because they hate you, but because they want to make sure that you're doing things the right way because they want to know that they can come to somebody. Hey, this is a free throw. I'm going to give you a free throw. Ladies and fellas, you can put this in your pocket for later. This isn't in the notes. But man, please be sure that when you pick the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, don't pick a lame person that doesn't know how to pray, that doesn't read their Bible, that doesn't have a relationship with God. It's not a cliche thing. It's a thing that if your son gets diagnosed with a disease, if he has a fever, you need to have a man in your life that's going to pray that fever the heck out of his forehead, that he's going to do everything in his power to fast. He's going to grab some anointing oil. He's going to begin to pray. He's going to work hard because he loves Jesus before he loves you. Man, be careful that you don't just bring a regular person in your house that's just kind of like in the middle with Jesus and not with Jesus. Make sure the person you pick is a person who loves Christ because you don't want to find yourself in a place when all hell breaks loose in your life and you got somebody that's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Oh, my. Man, make sure you got somebody that's going to stand there and say, devil, I will break your jaw, devil. I will snatch your weave out of your hair. I will rip your eyes out. I will eat your nails, devil. I will kill you. You better have somebody that knows how to pray and that knows how to fight and punch the devil in his face. Don't be playing around with no weak little... Let me stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I get a little, <laughs> a little funny. Hey, but these two perspectives, you're talking about Jarius and you're talking about Jesus. These are two different individuals, but man, they represent our life a lot, don't they? All of a sudden, the Bible says that even though you kicked me out, he doesn't say that. Even though you kicked me out, even though I kicked you out, I'm still going to go to you. I'm still going to go with you. Jesus begins to walk with him on the journey, man. What a beautiful picture of a forgiving and a graceful God that doesn't look at your sin. It doesn't deter him from anything. As he's walking, all of a sudden we're interrupted. There's a story in the middle of a story, and it's wrapped up in this woman with the issue of blood. Now, this idea of a woman, the issue of blood, and you being recognized by your issues or you being um, labeled by your issues, that's something that's been preached amazingly over the years, and I think it's beautiful. Obviously, it's like just because you smoked weed, that doesn't make you a drug addict. 
Just because you've lied before or because you've stolen something, that doesn't make you a liar. It doesn't make you a thief. It's just something that happened. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I don't, I don't get in trouble for this. But just because you did something homosexual doesn't mean that you're a homosexual. Just because you sinned doesn't make you a sinner. Just because you did that thing, it doesn't make you that thing. We're not that thing. Actually, we're completely different because the grace of Jesus can wash it and make us clean. We're not that thing. All of a sudden, this, this idea of us labeling ourselves by our issues is something that we cannot do. But not only that, I kind of want to take it a step further. Do we ever find ourselves in a place where we put a filter to God and we say, hey, God, can you deal with me according to my issues? Well, what do you mean by that, Chino? This is what I mean. God, I, I need a job, and I don't got a counter, boy. I'll go for days. God, I need a job. Help me with a job. Jesus, I want a job. And all of a sudden, God gives you a job. When he gives you that job, you get to that job, you like that job, but a couple of weeks later, the job is not as interesting as you thought it really was. So what you start doing is you start not really caring about it, and all of a sudden, a couple of weeks into it, you're like, ah, I quit. I don't want to do this. You don't even call the boss. You just kind of leave. Or maybe it's a relationship. God, give me somebody. Bring me somebody into my life. Father, I need somebody. Jesus, Jesus, bring me somebody. Praise the Lord. All of a sudden, God will bring you somebody, and you, you, you kind of like don't want to be with that person after a little while. You're like, ah, I don't know if I like you. Oh, you ugly. <laughs> All of a sudden, you get to another space in your life, and you're like, God, just give me another job. G give me another relationship, Lord. Would you give me a car, Jesus? Give me something. And you, 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 you pray about this specific thing, and God blesses you, and all of a sudden, you know, Put the story wherever it is that it matches your life. You, you, you get to your job and you get there a little bit late now and you're not really paying attention to what you're doing and, and your boss has to reprimand you and talk to you and you get offended. Why are you talking to me like that? And you say, I quit. I don't want to talk to you no more. And you leave or you, you look at your car and you start it. You're like, oh, my car's so ugly. Why does it shake like that at the light? I hate this thing. Oh, why she look like that? Why his pants so tight? I don't want to be with him no more. And all of a sudden, you kind of say, I don't want this no more. And you find yourself in a place where you go to something else and you're like God just give me another job I need another job and then you start the job and you mess everything up again and the relationship goes down the drain and you do things you're not supposed to do and all of a sudden the job sucks the car sucks you want to kill the kids everything is a mess and then you get to a place where you use this filter with God and we've all done it we say God man just give me anything God just just give me any job I don't I don't, I don't want to be picky, God. Just, just give me any job. I'll wash cars, God. You know what? I'm going to go apply at McDonald's. Ain't nothing wrong with McDonald's. Shout out to McDonald's. One time for Publix. My dog Carlos over here. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But you say, Jesus, just give me, just give me anybody. Man, Lord, just bring me anybody. I don't care if they bald buck tooth and have cross eyes. Just bring them to me, Jesus. Like, I just want to call somebody my boo. I want somebody, Jesus. Just, just bring me somebody. I don't care what car you give me. And we, we try to put this filter with God where it's like, deal with me according to my issues. I messed up so much that I'll take anything that you give me. But, man, that's not the God that we serve. I love that Jesus paints this picture of this story with the prodigal son. And he talks about this kid that took all of the money from his dad. He goes out. He spends all the money. He comes back to his dad. When he's coming back, he's thinking in his mind, and he's telling him with his words, just give me anything. Make me like one of your slaves. And what a beautiful picture of 
our God. He doesn't even listen to him. He tells his servants, go kill the fatted calf. Give him a robe. Put some sandals on his feet. Give him a ring. I'm not dealing with you according to your issues. I'm not even paying attention to you. Why? Because we serve a God that his love is so extravagant. He's not worried about how much you've messed up. He's worried about how much he hung up on that cross to die for your sins. That his grace covers every one of your sins. That's the kind of God that we serve. If you believe it, make some noise in his place. A God that doesn't deal with you according to your issues. We have to step away from that and say, God, I'm not going to deal with you according to my issues. I'm going to test you. I'm going to test you so hard that I'm going to find myself in a place that if I don't move out of this building by April, we won't have nowhere to go. Jesus, what you going to do now? I'm not going to beg for you to just give me a little storefront, a little warehouse. God, I'm going to ask you, give me something big. Give me something that I can test you. And once I test you and you've proven yourself, just like you've done time and time again, I'm going to testify about your glorious name. I'm going to testify and tell people how good you are. I'm going to testify about your miraculous works in my life. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together in this place. This woman with the issue of blood. I've had a headache for, you know, an hour. I've had a headache for, you know, a couple of hours. And, and man, I, I'll be calling Jesus like, are you coming back anytime soon? Like, my head hurt, man. This is bad. Like, the Bible talks about us men, we're different than women. <laughs> I read this meme. It's horrible, but it's funny. It said that when a woman gives birth, like when she's giving birth, it says that there is a point in that process where a woman can actually feel what it feels like for a man to have a fever it's a true story hey i'm a punk when i get sick i'll be like on the bed like little come my wife she'll bring me stuff and i'm like she's like walking out the room I'm like don't leave wait it's like babe i don't want to get sick you said sickness or health or whatever just Hey, when she's sick, it's the opposite, though. I'm on the other side of the house. She's coughing. <clears throat> I'm like, cough down. Don't cough out. Everybody going to get sick. We don't want to get sick. Hey, but I've dealt with stuff for like, you know, for a little while. As pastors, man, we deal with stuff for seasons. And there's seasons in our life, man, that we pray and we ask God, man, God, I need you to come through. God, well, I know you said it, so I'm just going to sit back and watch you. But, but God, what's up? Like, hey, you, you going to do this thing? And there's times that we go through these seasons, and these seasons could turn into a year. Maybe you're in one of those seasons now, and it turns into three years, and, and it turns into five years, and you're wondering, and you're asking God, man, are you really going to help me with this, or did, did you forget about what I asked you? We get to a place where we kind of start stop praying about it a little bit, and we just say, man, this is, the arguing is not going to stop. This is the way that it's going to be. And all of a sudden, you might even find yourself in a place where you've been dealing with something for 10 years. You want to talk about identifying with your issues? I just can't. I stop looking at the website, and all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, a month later, I go right back to the website. Jesus, I don't. You're talking about when you go through it for such a long period of time, that stuff becomes who you are. You get to a place where you're like, you don't even pray about it. You're just like, you talk about identifying with your issue. That issue is you. You become the issue and you become one. May we take a picture or a, pic or, or, or a page out of this lady's book because this lady was dealing with something for 12 long, hard years. It says that she spent everything that she had 
But she said to herself when she saw Jesus, man, I got one more chance. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. And man, I'm here to tell you tonight, man, you got one more chance. You may have been dealing with it for a long time, but you still got one more shot. If you don't give up, I promise you that you got one more shot. If there's breath in your lungs, if you feel your heart beating right now, it's because you got one more chance. Don't give up on that thing. Believe that there's a God that's going to come around and he's going to be able to stand there and you're going to be able to touch the hem of his garment. Believe that there's a God that's going to give you one more shot. This woman had been dealing with it for 12 years. She said to herself, man, I got, I got one more shot. I got, got one more shot. The Bible says that she wasted everything that she had. She spent it all. She couldn't get healed. Not only that, man, but in this time when you had an issue of blood, you couldn't even come into church. You weren't raising your hands and praising Jesus with this amazing worship team. The very seat that you sat on, a man can't come and sit in that chair. A woman can't come sit in that chair because they will become defiled. They couldn't be in the house of God. This lady was kicked out of her entire community because she was dealing with this thing for 12 long years. I really never understood this, but I got a picture of it when I went back to my country. Anybody Cuban here? Any Cuban? All five of us. Man, we in Hialeah, bro. What's going on? Are we losing the battle? <laughs> hey. I went to Cuba, and, and my sister lives in, in Havana, and we were there, and there's, a, there's areas which a lot of the country is like this. Um, there's no real running water. There's no real electricity. There's, like, stuff that's just, we don't, all the necessities and the things that we have here don't happen. People will work an entire month, and they get paid $10. An entire month, four weeks, and they get $10. Now, I, let me put it in perspective for you. My sister, when I went to Cuba, I was talking with her, and they have this big gallon. It's about 20, 20 gallons or whatever, and it's this big blue tub. And this big blue tub, there's a guy that will come in a pickup truck, and you pay $5 to be able to get this tub. Now, once you get this tub, you can use the bathroom. You can wash your dishes. There's certain things that you can do with this. But if you don't have those $5, you don't have no water. If I'm not there with my sister, she would tell me that there'll be months at a time where she was asking or borrowing water from other people because there was no running water. Here's the crazy thing about it. I came back to Miami, and I remember that I'm turning on the faucet. I'm brushing my teeth. I'm talking to my wife. I'm leaving the water, letting it run. I give the boys papa when they do that, but whatever. I'm, doing, I'm taking showers, and I'm like speaking in tongues for three hours. I'm going over four of my messages in my brain in the shower, and I'm wasting the very thing that other people are praying for. Here's the crazy part about it. When you have it, you're not praying about it. But there's something about when God takes something from you, when you find yourself in a place that you spent all your money on doctors, that you did everything that you can on your own, that you don't got any more options, that that's when you become a candidate for God's miracle. It's a beautiful place where you find yourself and you can't lean on a man. You can't lean on money. You can't lean on your education or how intelligent you are. You find yourself in your place where you're saying, Jesus, if you don't intervene in this thing right here, I don't know what's going to happen but I'm not going to be able to survive. It's a place where you lose all options. That that's a place where you can find God's miracles. He didn't leave because he didn't like you. Not because he hates you. It's because God said, man, I don't want you to lean on a man. I want you to lean on me. That job didn't let you go where it was perfect and you're praying and you're saying, God, why have you forsaken me? He hasn't forsaken you. He's actually put you at the door of your next level, but you're scared to step through it because you're blaming it on somebody else, not knowing that God will remove all options so that you can focus right on him. This woman dealt with it for 12 years, lost everything, but she touches the hem of his garment. The hem of his garment is this idea, right? It's like this, it's like this robe that he had on, right? 
And, and Ezekiel talks about it where it's like this prayer shawl. And it's, a, it's actually a fulfillment of prophecy where she touches the hem of the garment where it's actually spoken of in the scriptures. But all of a sudden, this hem, think about it. It's like me wearing a long robe, una vada, and this, and this thing just kind of like, it kind of just drags around the, the dogs poop there and people spit there. And this thing just kind of like drags around the ground as he walks. The Bible says Jesus walked from place to place preaching the gospel. That he would go different places and he's walking around and there's lamb manure and all these weird things. And all of a sudden the Bible says that this woman thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, which is a filter in and of itself. Just the hem of his garment. It's a filter. God, I can't touch you, but if I could just touch the hem of his garment. But, but God still answered that lady. Here's the crazy part about it, man. God did that miracle through a piece of cloth that was dirty and nasty. How, how much more could he do with you? Like, how much more can God do with you? That was a piece of thread with dirty stuff. Lord knows what it has. How much more can he do with you who before you were even a thought, he was already thinking of you? Before you were ever coming into existence, God already had a plan. The Bible says that he was forming you. He put gifts. He put talents inside of you. This God who we're talking about that created all eternity, he made everything. He made you. Don't ever disrespect God by saying you ain't got no talents and you ain't junk and you ain't worth nothing and you're worthless. Are you crazy? You know who made you? You know how disrespectful that is to turn and turn to your, look at yourself in the mirror and say, man, I'm a mess. Look at me. I'm ugly. Man, God don't make no junk, man. Now, here's the crazy part about it. If God could do that through, through a piece of cloth, how much more can he do with you? But here's the truth. You know that it wasn't really the cloth that healed the woman. Let you chew on that for just a second. The object wasn't the thing that healed her. It was the object of her faith. See, it wasn't the cloth. It was what the cloth was connected to. Can I tell you, man, that as we connect to Jesus, as we make these Sunday nights real, as we make those early mornings real when we pray and when we spend our devotional time with God, as we make our evenings when we're about to go to sleep, instead of turning on the radio, we turn on our knees and we begin to cry out to God and we plug into him. Can I tell you that the moment that you're connected, cancer fears you. Can I tell you sickness fears you. Can I tell you disease fears you. There's things that will happen in your life that God will use as a platform because you're connected to him. That all of a sudden these things will get removed out of your life. Kind of like a Red Sea. And all of a sudden they walk through it. They see Nemo and Dory. And they're walking on dry land. These are the obstacles that will place themselves in front of you. But when you're connected to God, man, there's nothing that can stop you. If you believe it, make some noise in this place. Man, there's direction in being connected to God. Man, you're wondering, God, where am I? the worship team to come up. Man, you're wondering to yourself, you're saying, God, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do with my life? Be connected to God. How do you say that? I say that because in Proverbs it says, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge God and he will direct your path. This word acknowledge, it really just means to know God. That no doesn't just mean like I know about God. No, it means an intimate relationship. Like Adam knew Eve. It's an intimacy that happens when you draw yourself in with God. And when you leave yourself open to him and you allow him to fill you with his spirit, that all of a sudden the Bible says that he would direct your path. You want to know what your calling is, man? Get on your face and call on to God. And I guarantee you that he will begin to show it to you. This woman touches the hem of his garment. Jesus turns around and he's like, man, who touched me? Which... It's a clear indictment. It, it, it's, I would have probably, Jesus be, be like, 
Jesus is mean to the disciples sometimes. Like Jesus be say stuff like, are you still without faith? Are you yet stupid? Like Jesus says stuff to the disciples that if he would have been, if I was in the Bible, they would have kicked me out of the Bible. But if I was in the Bible and Jesus would have been like, who touched me? I would have been like, man, bro, look, man, all these people around you talking about who touched you? Like, look at all these people, like Jesus. Like, that would have been that one time that you can go off on Jesus. Like, Jesus, that was a dumb question, bro. Like, for real, man, you're supposed to be the creator of heaven. Who touched you, bro? Look at all these people. G- you know, you're out of my Bible. Leave. <laughs> he would have kicked me out of the Bible. Hey, but here's the truth, though. It's a clear indictment to the church that was around him at that time. And unfortunately, it's a clear indictment to the church of 2016. A church that is around Jesus. A church that can rub up on Jesus. A church that can bump into Jesus. A church that knows all the songs, that knows the scriptures. A church that understands church. A church that knows where to look for scriptures in the back of their Bible about depression. They know to read every single verse about depression on the back of their Bible, but still live a depressed life. A church that can be saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, but yet they're not connected to God. A church that can go around Jesus. But Jesus is not living inside of him. As this Jesus says, who touched me? This woman, 2,000 and something years ago, she steps through the crowd and she begins to tell her story about all the things that God did in her life. This woman went from her dreams being dead, an inability to go to church, to share of God's goodness because she hadn't experienced it at that very moment. This woman whose dreams were completely dead, all of a sudden this woman in a second gets healed and she steps forward and her story is still being told 2016 years later. Man, I know that there's dreams in your life, man, that you've had. There's things that you've been wanting to do since you were a little kid. You used to sing, you used to play an instrument, you used to read. You used to want to write a book. You used to draw. There was things in your life that you wanted to do that life has a way of knocking it out. That even as I'm talking to you right now, you're like, dag, I remember that I wanted to do that. I used to be so good at that. But life has a way. It's not like the movies. You have movies and you have ten dudes that are around Jackie Chan. And as he fights them, he knocks each and every one out. He One comes and he kicks them and then he punches the other one. They come at him one at a time. That's not the way life comes at you. Life comes at you, all ten of them at the same time. They knock you down and they begin to kick you. They begin to punch you. They begin to grab you. They do everything. They kill you. That's what life does to you. And our dreams get knocked out of us. We forget about the very things that God has told us to do. We get in a place where we get complacent and we get in a place where we get confused and we're like, I don't know what God really told me to do. But as we think back, we still remember the last thing that he told us. As we take all the fluff off, we begin to think, man, this is what God told me to do. Man, I believe that if Jesus healed that woman at that very moment and her dreams came back to life, she was able to have relationship with God. I believe that he can do the same thing in your life. Here's the crazy thing about it. We're forgetting about one character in this entire story. That's the character of Jairus. Jairus had went to Jesus because his daughter was hurting. All of a sudden, Jesus is standing there with this woman, the woman with the issue of blood, which now the Bible says that he calls her daughter. That's a message in and of itself. She, he completely transformed her identity in a single word, y'all, in a word. How much more can he do with you? He sits there with her. He says, daughter, and all of a sudden, Jairus, is, his, one of his slaves or whoever was, owner of his house, he comes and he says, hey, bro, don't bother the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. Man, I can't imagine Jarius, man, where it was like, man, I knew Jesus was walking with me. And then all of a sudden I got interrupted. And then the very thing that I was afraid of is what happened. 
It's like us, we're praying and we're saying, God, can you help my mom and my dad? Man, they're fighting on a regular basis. I keep hearing the walls getting knocked and all of a sudden you pray and, man, the fighting stops. And you're like, Jesus, you're doing it. He's walking with you. And it feels like all of a sudden in a moment of an eye, of a blinking of an eye, the fighting starts again. And it's even worse than it was before. And God, uh, please help me, man. This person keeps bullying me in school. And you walk with Jesus. They leave you alone. And then all of a sudden it feels like they come back with more friends. And now they're bothering you again. God, I, my boss is acting real stupid right now. And all of a sudden my boss starts acting good. He offers me a raise. Things are looking good. And then all hell breaks loose. And I'm standing there jobless. Jesus, did you forget about me? He didn't forget about you. Look at the picture of Jarius. Jarius stayed right there. He didn't move. He didn't go do it by himself to heal his own daughter. He waited for Jesus. Can I tell you? Wait for Jesus. Wait for Jesus. Look at the beauty of this. As he's talking to this woman, he turns to Jarius. The Bible says that he says, don't be afraid. Just believe she will be made well. Oh, what a picture. This guy comes to Jesus and tells him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother him no more. Jesus ignores the filter and he turns to this guy and he tells him, don't be afraid. Just believe she will be made well. I mean, maybe you walked into this place, man, and there's some dreams inside of you that you know that have died. You already got the word that that sickness isn't just like something regular, but it's something that looks scary. There's things in your life that you know that there, there is no cure for. I'm not only talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually life. I'm talking about your finances sometimes. I'm telling you that you can find yourself in a place where you're like, Jesus, are you there? Hey, here's the word of God for you today. Don't be afraid. Just believe. It will be made well. But, you know, you don't understand, man. Like, they sat there and they explained to me, don't be afraid. Just believe. It will I have no way to pay for this, Chino. I don't know how. I'm, don't be afraid. Just believe it will be made well. But, I, Chino, you just don't understand my situation. I don't understand your situation. But I do understand the scriptures that say, don't be afraid. Just believe it will be made well. I need a word from God. Here's your word tonight. Don't be afraid. Just believe it will be made well. I don't know what your situation looks like. But I know his situation. And his situation states... Don't be afraid. Just believe it will be made well. That's what God is telling us tonight. Don't be afraid. Just believe it will be made well. Jesus says these beautiful words, and then he begins to walk with Jairus again. The Bible says that they get to the house, and I'm closing, I promise. It says that as they get to the house, people are crying, and People are saying, man, the, the girl's dead. And Jesus is like, no, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. And that's a picture of what our faith looks like sometimes. Where we say there's a difference between facts and truth. The facts is that the girl was dead. The truth is that she was going to come back to life. But what happens is that we find ourselves on a regular basis in our faith where we say things that people don't understand and it goes against what they're thinking. Man, have fun, man. Smoke weed, drink, chill. Like, enjoy your life. And you're like, I am enjoying my life here and I'm going to enjoy my life after I die and I live again. And that doesn't make sense to them because they think you're dead. But you're not dead. You're actually sleeping. The very devil can look at you and he can think that he crowded and he messed up your ideas and your dreams. And he can find himself in a place thinking that you're dead and that your dreams are dead when in reality they're just sleeping. See, if the devil can't cause you to sin, 
then he's going to try to distract you. He's going to give you a lot of work. He's going to make you do so many things that you find yourself in a place where you don't even see God anymore because you put so many things in front of you to do that you forgot about God. But man, can I tell you, man, that it's not dead. It's actually alive, and it's just waiting to be revived, and I believe that it's going to happen tonight. Jesus walks into this room, and he does three quick things. And I'm hoping, and I believe in Jesus' name that he's going to do one of them here tonight. Jesus walks into the room. When he walks into the room, he sees everybody there that was crying, everybody there that was complaining, and he tells them, I want you to leave the room, and he kicks them out. Hey, before this year ends, man, it's time for you to start erasing some phone numbers on your phone. It's time for you to stop trolling that person on Instagram till 4 o'clock in the morning looking at their pictures on Facebook. It's time to block them. It could be a person or it can be a thing. It's time for you to stop looking at the internet at that certain time. It's time for you to stop driving down that street. It's time for you to start kicking some of those thoughts out of your mind. Can I be honest with you? I don't want to be legalistic. Please hear my heart. I don't want to be legalistic. But what I will say is that if you're single, and there's a lot of young adults here, if you're single and you don't have anybody to love and you don't have anybody to be with, like as a boyfriend or a girlfriend, please, maybe the kicking out that needs to happen in your life is the radio. Because you don't want to find yourself in a place where you're listening to Drake and now you're like, oh, I want to tell somebody that. Oh, my God, I want to call her. And you're texting somebody and all of a sudden you're putting yourself in a place where you're disqualifying your destiny, your purpose, just because you heard a freaking song. Now, the song got you feeling some type of way where you're calling somebody and you're trying to pursue something that God didn't tell you to pursue. You're watching things that not leading you in the right place. Now, I'm not being legalistic. Please understand me. I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. Do you listen to some stuff and does it make you feel a way? Does it make you feel like, man, I'm going to call her. I'm going to talk to her. Or I'm going to talk to him because I want to dedicate this song to somebody. You find yourself in a place, man, where you, you're slowing your destiny down. You're slowing your purpose down. You're slowing your race down because of what you've allowed inside. Kick it out. Not only does he kick the things out, but the Bible says that he grabs John, James, and Peter, and he brings them into the room. Scripture says, Luke chapter 8, I want you to go home. I prayed you were taking notes in, or you, in your mind. Uh, get the tape after. <laughs> he brings the podcast. <laughs> we don't do tapes no more. Turn up. Hallelujah. 305. <laughs> And he brings the three individuals in, James, John, and Peter. He brings all three of them into the, into the room. It's easy for some of us to kick people out of our life. We're introverted. We don't want you anyway. You ugly. You, yo, you're your daddy kid. You're your daddy son. I don't want to be, but, it's, but on the other side, it's hard for some of us to actually allow people in our life. Hey, what if in 2017 or right now, two weeks before it even happens, what, what would happen if, if we actually start letting people come into our life? If we don't actually just hear about connect groups and things that are happening in the church, but we actually get connected with things that are happening in the church. If we actually grab somebody's hand and say, hey, man, listen, I don't know how to deal with this. I can't stop this. I don't know how I'm going to go here. Hey, I don't know what my talents are. I don't know what my giftings are. Can you help me? What would happen if you actually brought some James, Peters, and Johns in your life and you walk into this new year with a team of people around you that are going to hold you accountable? They're going to hold your dreams accountable, but they're going to walk with you through it all. It's 2017, man. It's time for us to actually bring some people into our life, man. And they have some people that are going to help us, that are going to hold us to this thing that we're saying. All of a sudden, Jesus walks into this room with James, John, and Peter. And the girl and the mom, the girl's mom and dad are standing there. And the little girl is dead. She's dead. She's laying in the bed. And look at this picture. Jesus stands over this little girl. 
He says, little girl, arise. And he puts his hand down. Would you close your eyes for just a second? And would you bow your heads all over this place? Think of this picture of this Jesus. This girl is laying there dead. He stretches his hand towards her. Now this girl can be, can be your dreams of writing that book or recording that song or, or writing that thing or making whatever it is. You put your dream wherever it needs to be, but it's representative of that little girl and it's lying there dormant, it's lying there dead. That invention that you had is just there and it's dead. That idea that you had is just lying there and it's dead. Man, can I be real with you? Sometimes we're the ones that are lying there dead. Our hearts can be beating, and right now it's beating pretty fast. But if we're honest with each other, we're laying on that bed dead. We're separated from God. We know that we have sin inside of us, man. Things that we've done that we, we haven't repented. We haven't taken this Jesus thing serious. But, man, what a picture of a God that has his hand stretched out towards your dreams, towards your spirit. Picture this God who has his hand stretched out to you. And here's what I'd ask you with every head bowed. And every eye closed. If you're in this place and you're saying, Chino, man, I'm done. I don't want to be laying in this bed anymore, Chino. Man, I want to come to life. I want God to forgive me of my sins. Man, I want to take this thing serious, man. I'm done with the way that I was living. Chino, would you include me in your prayer that God would forgive me of my sins? I'm going to ask you at the count of three with every head bowed and every eye closed. Is that's you in this place and you're saying, Chino, I want God to forgive me of my sins. Today I choose Jesus. I'm done with what I have or what I've done before, and I want you to pray for me. I want Jesus today. I don't want to be in this bed no more. If that's you at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. That's you all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and put your hands down. Here's what I want to do, man. I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. I'm believing that God is going to do the work in your life. Father, I love you, and I thank you right now for each and every one of my brothers that have lifted up their hand. The ones that have said, Lord, that they're done with sin, and they want you, Jesus. Father, we believe that at this moment is where faith is born, Lord God, and faith is pleasing unto you, Lord Jesus, for it is the only requirement for salvation. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would save them, that this crop will not go to the left or to the right, but that they will stay right in the straight and narrow, Lord God, serving you all the days of their life, Lord. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would save them and that you would bless them and use them for your glory. I want everybody in this room to repeat this prayer after me, understanding this prayer is not what saves you. It's the faith that you're declaring these things to Jesus that's actually going to save you. But I want to help you through this, and I want you to repeat after me. Everybody in the room, say, Father, thank you for speaking to me. Lord, I believe that you came, that you lived a sinless life, that you died for my sins. Three days later, you came back to life to offer me life. Lord, I receive it, and I give you my own. Use me, Jesus. I love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Hey, would you put your hands together for everybody that raised their hands and said that prayer? Immediately after service, we're going to have some of the leaders that are going to be up here, um, and they want to walk through this thing. It's not just a prayer that you did and something that you said, but it's actually something that you need people to help you along the journey with, and they're here to do it. The team is going to be up here. But here's what I want to do. I want everybody to stand to your feet for just a second.